Well, Lord, thanks for bringing us here. This is a delight to be with our brothers and sisters. Thanks that we can have the opportunity to dedicate ourselves, not only our offerings, not only our tithes, but our lives to worship you as lively sacrifices, living sacrifices, which is our spiritual form of worship. And we ask that you would come right now and help us to worship you in, in ways that we can't do ourselves. Only your spirit helping us can do it. Help us worship you in spirit and in truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Life. A whirlwind. A barrage. Sight. Sound. Noise. Emotion. Everything is... Go. Go. Don't slow down. Guys, I'm so sorry. I forgot to turn it off. Hello? Hi, Mom. Yeah, I'm in church right now. C can I maybe... There he is. Oh, no, no, that's great. Oh, okay, yeah. Bye. Well, guys, um... I gotta go. Whoa! <laughs> Give us a minute here, huh? What do you mean you gotta go? Where do you have to go? Well, there's a sale at Target on these shoes I've been wanting. But the sale ends in like one hour, and I gotta get these shoes. You guys can do this yourselves. It's just a sketch. Well, let's, um... Let's try it again. Steve? <coughs> Life. Life, a whirlwind, a barrage of sight, sound, noise, emotions, everything is, no, this is not happening. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, that was me. I... Oh, yes, oh, we gotta take this call. No, no, Nate, absolutely not. What's so important, man? It's my agent. <laughs> I'm sorry, you're what? My agent. Remember, I told you I auditioned for that national tour of Hello, Dolly! with Carol Channing? <laughs> My agent said she'd call me if I got the part. I gotta take Just it. Just stay and finish the sketch, all right? Tim, there's talk of a revival on Broadway. <laughs> I gotta go, okay? I'll call you. I, I promise. Ready? Life, a whirlwind, a barrage of sight, sound, noise. Stop. What? Wait. Why? Listen. No. Fine. I really don't. I really don't see any reason to finish this now. Well, I see a reason. It's my job. <laughs> Look, Mindy, I'm the drama director. You know what I mean? I'm supposed to have drama this weekend. It's on my schedule. Well, it's not on mine. And, I mean, I have a lot of other things I could be doing right now. No! Oh, okay, what? Well, the thing is, actually, I'd really like to catch a ride with Leslie to Target. <laughs> I really wanted to buy a VCR before the new season of Friends starts next week. How can you afford a VCR? You told me before service you were flat broke. Oh, well, I forgot about these. I keep meaning to drop them in the offering box. <laughs> but you know how it goes. 
I think I have enough here for a VCR. <laughs> so, I'll see you later. Sure. Okay. Fine, go. Life, a whirlwind, a barrage of sight, sound, noise, everything is... Eh, forget it. Buy the tape. If you were to ask yourself, what does it take to distract me from eternal things? How would you fare? How would any of us fare? Unfortunately, we probably, if we were to keep a record of our schedule during the week, would not fare very well. You see, it's not just a choice between the good and the bad. It's a choice between the important and what seems to be the urgent. And the urgent practically always wins. Important practically never gets done. Jesus is preaching to us the most wonderful sermon on holiness ever preached, the Sermon on the Mount. And he has gone from reinterpreting the law to its proper depth and height, to reinterpreting religious practices. He's taught us how to pray. Last week he taught us how and why to fast. And I hope that many of you did fast this week along with me so that you had the time to devote for what was already in your life, who was already in your life. Fasting is not to call God down. He's here. Fasting is not to get him to intervene in your life. If you're a Christian, he's there. Fasting is to realize what we have and to give the proper attention to who loves us. But for the next four weeks, he's going to teach us about money. Money. You know, I used to counsel, I uh, don't do very many weddings anymore, but I used to uh, counsel people when they were getting married. You're going to talk about uh, two things for the rest of your life. Uh, if you have children, you'll talk about child rearing. If you have uh, if you don't have children or you do have children, you'll talk about finances for the rest of your life almost every day. It's that important. And there is a true, Jesus wants us to be wealthy in true things. But in order to be wealthy in the most important things, we have to divest ourselves sometimes of some of the things that take from us. We think is wealth, but it's not. If you will open your scriptures, if you have them with you, to the sixth chapter of Matthew, he'll begin teaching us in the 19th verse. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Now I'm going to talk about how you can be eternally rich in the things that are really important next week. But I want you to know we need an entire week just to say, in order to get there, I've got to leave this. You understand the pattern in all of the Sermon on the Mount. The pattern of ch in chapter 5 was, you think you got it, you don't get it. 
You've heard it said, but I say to you. He says that in verse 22, but I say to you. Verse 28, but I say to you. Verse 34, but I say to you. Verse 39, but I say to you. Verse 44, but I say to you. You see, there's a correction process. Leave that behind so that you can have the best. In chapter 6, he goes through the same pattern. Do not... When you give alms, do not, verse 3. When you pray, you are not to be, verse 5. And when you are praying, do not use, verse 7. And therefore, do not be like them, verse 8. And whenever you fast, do not, verse 16. Do you get the pattern here? Before the best, there has to be a curtailing of the least. It's not that these other things were bad. They were good. But in order to have the perfect... You must leave behind the good. And that's what he's teaching us right now. You must somehow minimize the good in order for the best. Now, I'm not talking about people here. Investment in people is always worth it. I'll tell you why next week. But I'm talking about things. He's talking about things. You remember that in order for him to call Abram to the promised land, the first words that God said to Abram was, go forth from your country. You know what? If you want to have this promised land, this perfect land, you've got to leave the land you're in right now. There's no other way to get there. He said to Moses, you want to lead the children of Israel? You want to have the perfect freedom for everybody? Hebrews eleven twenty six. you've got to give up all the treasures of Egypt. That's the requirement. You've got to give up what's good for what's best. And he would say the same thing to us today. All of the material things we have in our life are good. Every good and perfect gift comes from God. There's nothing wrong with them. They are for our use. They are even more specifically for the use of the kingdom. So we're not talking about poverty here. We're talking about priorities here. Because many times those things can steal life away from us. There was a story, true story, of some people who went into uh, the Alaskan uh, Klondike uh, where uh, years and years ago there were very many gold mines. And as they were exploring, they happened upon this little cabin. And as they went into the cabin, they saw a huge pile of gold and two skeletons. And they went over to the table, and written on a paper on that table was this note. We discovered a wonderful mine. We mined more and more gold every day, but we forgot about the winter. A storm came suddenly. It's been storming for days. We won't get out of here. They had amassed the gold, but they'd forgotten about the winter and they'd starved to death. Here's the question that I want to ask all of us this morning. There's a certain amount of material goods we need in our lives. There's a certain amount of material goods that are, we're responsible to have in our lives. God's admonition is that we have uh, a certain amount of, ad, uh, of material goods in our lives. If you want a scripture for that, turn to 1 Timothy Chapter 5, verse 8. Look what it says. 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 8. 
reading what Paul wrote to Timothy, if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Now, that's very serious, isn't it? Now, let me tell you who this doesn't take in. This does not take in those people who are incapacitated and are incapable of earning their own resources. It is our honor. It is our privilege to take care of you. It is our fulfillment to take care of you. But everyone who can work must work and must gather enough resources to take care of his own. And that includes during hard times. So it should include some savings. You know, the threat in this country to the current economic boom, the threat is the lack of people who are saving anything. The average savings right now is 4.3%, which is half of what our parents did. You know why? Because we haven't read the rest of what Paul wrote Timothy. Look down in verse, uh, chapter 6, verse 7. It says this, We have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. Understand this. In eternal terms, we all have the same balance sheet materially. We are all flat broke. Started out broke, going to end up broke. Nobody's got pockets in a coffin. Can't take it with you, don't try. So here's what we have missed. These things are only temporary. These things that we amass have no eternal significance whatsoever. But because we miss that, we then go to verse 10. Go three verses down from that. Look what he says. For the love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. <clears throat> now, I hear people misquote this. Money is the root of all evil. That's not what he says. The love of money is the root of all sorts of evil. And by longing for it, some have wandered away from the faith and have pierced themselves with many a pang. What does that mean, piercing yourselves with many a pang? Well, let's think about this for a minute. Most of us do a lot of our financing these days by credit card. This is a dumb system. Now, please understand, I am not, this is not a holier-than-thou guy. I've, I've got a balance on my credit card. I've got to be personal. I've got to be honest with you. And so I'm under conviction about this myself. But the desire or the notion that we need something now, and so therefore we're going to use a credit card to get it and pay it back later. Remember what I said about disposable, disposable income last Sunday? The, the disposable income is, is now, we, we already owe 89% of all of, the, all of the money we get in, in right now, we already owe it. We only have 11% of the money we, in, we, we get in right now. It's even disposable income. Now watch this. Why is this? Well, because we got this credit card thing going. 
Now, please remember, I'm not against credit cards if you can pay them off. But here is a tremendous temptation. I was at the mall the other day. They have a new credit card at the mall, a mall card. <laughs> this is so wonderful because you can get back 2% on all your purchases. Let's all get rich, shall we? Spend more so that we can get 2% of it back. And 1% if the, uh, out of 13,000 participating stores in malls everywhere. So I picked one of these things up. Now I'm not going to get another. I've got one credit card. I get, I get four credit. I get four calls a night, like you do. Want another credit card? I say, get thee behind me, Satan. Hang on. <laughs> but I picked it up. Read the back of this dude. You know what it said on the back of this? Of course, it has an introductory offer, like everybody does now, just to hook you. Six months after that, watch this. If you want a cash advance. It charges you 2.5% of your cash advance, minimum $3.50 per transaction. If you don't pay on time, there's a $20 late fee, plus the accrued interest at 21.4%. This thing will eat your lunch. <laughs> and on the, begin, on, the, on, the, on the front of it, it says, Shopping is its own reward. No, no, it's its own punishment with this thing. Unless you can pay it off every time. See, there's the trick. There's the trick. The cost comes with maintenance. We've got to understand this. It's not wrong to have worldly things. What's wrong is we don't realize how much they continue to cost us after we have them. Jesus said, when you lay up this stuff, rust, moth, thieves, credit card companies, come in and just tar start sucking you dry. And even if you're not on that fast track, which I hope many of you are not, we've got to understand what it is to own what we do. What a tremendous responsibility. If I, could, if I could just get personal one-on-one -on -one with you this week, I'd ask you what I'm asking myself. How much does what I own own me? How many obligations do I have to pay to the things of my life at the cost of paying my obligations to God and to those I love? How often does it take away from that which is really important. Ask yourself that. And then ask yourself this, what could I do without? Many of you are under tremendous pressure right now. You're just running like crazy, just trying to keep all the balls in the air at once. And half of those are things you own. You're trying to maintain those. You're trying to, you're trying to you're just slow down the deterioration and so on and so forth. And you think it would be so painful to get rid of those. No, it wouldn't. No, it wouldn't. Let me ask you. Let's, let's, let's uh, 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 talk about two uh, wonderful people that died this week. They really are, in, you can't compare them, but, but we'll talk about them together because both of them died this week. There was Princess Diana who died, who, who was involved in some wonderful humanitarian causes. Um, and then there was Mother Teresa who died, 
who was. I mean, did you ever wonder why there are not more pictures of Mother Teresa? It's because the photographers didn't want to go where she was. You see, they can't stand to be, they, they can stand a five minute photo op with AIDS people or leprosy people, but going down where she is, uh-uh. No, I'm not going to live where she lives. Who was free in that situation? Who of you would have traded like all of you are, 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 are many people, not all of you, many people lived vicariously through Princess Diana. But I'm telling you, that was the only and the best way to live through her. Because if you would have traded lives with her, you'd be miserable. There was one, there was a lady who had a lot of trouble, a lot of trouble. Because the world had deprived her of privacy. And because she struggled with, with the choices out of her wealth. Mother Teresa walked away from a wealthy family. And she didn't struggle with choices at all. How many of you think that Mother Teresa got up every day and wondered what she should put on? <laughs> I think I wear that white thing over there. <laughs> you know what freedom there is in that? Huh? How many of you think that, that Mother Teresa ever wondered whether her life was worthwhile? You know, here was Princess Diana struggling to, 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 to have, to, to see whether or not she really mattered. I mean, really struggled, according to her brother. Let me tell you why Mother Teresa never struggled whether her life was worthwhile. Because she never thought about her life. Her, her, she, she thought about other people. Now, we've got to say this. Whenever we talk about a religious person doing good works, we've got to be accurate theologically. Please note that there is nothing that Mother Teresa did that helped secure her salvation. She had a simple faith in Jesus Christ. There is no amount of good works that we can do that can help us secure our salvation or that can add to our salvation. Either Jesus did it all on the cross or he didn't do anything. Jesus didn't do 50% of it on the cross and we do the rest. No, we are saved by grace through faith and that not of works, lest any man should boast. So we've got to be accurate theologically. Nor is there any one church that dispenses the grace necessary to salvation. But when you come right down to it, these great investments of our lives are not only the gratitude for salvation, they're what set us free. They're what, they're what gets us away from that which continues to be eaten up and deteriorate, and that, that which continues to own us. It is not painful, not nearly as painful as we think it is to get rid of the stuff that continues to, to, to demand our energy and our attention. Let me just tell you from personal experience. Now, I, 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 please, I don't ever put myself on any, in any category here of anything like somebody who's given everything up. But a few years ago, Becky and I knew we'd be entering into a period, a prolonged period, of real uh, financial strain. And we, we entered it, and, and it's not because you guys don't pay me enough, you guys pay me plenty. I, we have joyfully, willfully put ourselves under financial obligations for years to come. And so we live on a very narrow budget. When we did that, 
we had to uh, sell our house and move into an apartment. Not a gated apartment, not a fancy apartment, just an apartment. You think, well, isn't that painful? No. Are you kidding me? Do you know what I do now when a light bulb burns out? <laughs> I call up the management and I say, hey, one of your light bulbs burned out up here. <laughs> I say, I think your filter in your, in your furnace is getting dirty. I don't worry. I don't do yard work. I don't worry about the roof leaking. I don't give one thought to where I live. It is absolute freedom. Now, please hear me. There is no more holiness living in an apartment than there is owning your own home. I'm not talking about a difference of holiness here. I'm just talking about a difference of care. I drive old beat up jalopy. Nine years old, hundred some thousand miles on an old beat up ragtop Jeep without air conditioning. Now, let me tell you this. There is no virtue in, in driving an old car rather than a new car. Um, um, and there's, there's especially no virtue in having uh, not air conditioning instead of air conditioning. That's stupidity. I'll just tell you right, right now. That's just dumb. You know, a northerner, a northerner. I came down, bought a car. You want air conditioning? Nah, it's a convertible. If it gets hot, I'll take the top down. <laughs> oh, that was dumb. Oh, my. But you know what? Beck and I ride around that thing. We don't have to. Somebody came in the other day, started kidding me, said, oh, I ran into old Jeep out in the parking lot. And now my first thought was, I wonder if I'll even be able to tell where he dented it. I mean, that thing's been through me, three boys. You know, it's just, it, I could leave my keys in there. Nobody'd steal that thing. <laughs> Nobody'd steal it. You know, it's just a dumb car. You know, but I don't worry about it. I don't worry about it. It doesn't cause me one bit of concern, except for when it's broken down and any car can break down. You see what I'm saying? I'm free. In, in those realms and other realms, I'm free. I don't have to concern myself with my car getting stolen or, or scratched or, or, or anything. It's great. We, need to, we all need to think, what, what could set me free? I'm under so much obligation from people and things. And the only thing that really deserves it is people. And these things are taking my attention. What can I get rid of to live a simpler life? Even the big stuff. What could, I, what could I get out from under? Because, as it says in Mark 4, 19, it says that our spiritual life can be choked by the worries of this world. Jesus says this, and the worries of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. You think it's going to satisfy? It costs. You think it's going to set you free? It demands maintenance. And the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. And, and, and look, if you want a paradigm for all of this, remember that everything goes to pot. I mean, that's the, that's the destiny of the world. Everything, since we got out of the garden, everything goes to pot. You know that food molds, Joshua 9, 5. Garments wear out. Joshua 9, 5, Psalm 102, uh, 26. All fields get weeds in them. Every precious thing tarnishes 
1 Timothy or 1 Peter 1, uh, verse 7 and 18. And the body, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I've got a harsh message for some of you younger people. I was at the gym yesterday and I, I looked in the mirror. There's this old guy looking back at me. Don't know where he came from. But I go to the gym almost every day, work out like crazy, run, lift weights. And you can work as hard on your body as you want to, but I want to tell you something, gravity wins. <laughs> gravity wins. You got to say, you know, I used to work out to try to look better than I did. Well, at, at, at pushing age 50, now I work out so that I won't look as bad as I would if I didn't. <laughs> That's a subtle shift. But it's a very important one. It's a very important one. You know, gravity wins. I look down now at the mirror and my head stops and my face keeps going. That's, a, that's not a good thing. Turn, if, you want, if you want a scripture for this, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Go ahead. This is not, this is not good news. Ecclesiastes chapter 12. It says to you young people, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come. <laughs> That'd be where we are. See, most, most of us in the evil days right now. <laughs> and the years draw near when you say, when you will say, I have no delight in them. <laughs> you just go, okay, I'm getting through this. Look at, look at verse three. It says, in the day that the watchmen of the house tremble and the mighty men stoop. And the grinding ones stand idle because they are few. That's talking about teeth. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. And those who look through windows grow dim. That's talking about your eyes. You know what? When you hit 40, boom, you're blind. You didn't think it was going to happen to you, did it? Did you? You thought, you thought, no, I'll never need glasses. You're doing this all the time now. I still don't need them. Yes, you do. You look like a muskrat looking up through thin eyes. Verse four. And the doors on the street are shut as the sound of the grinding mill is low. We're going deaf. I, I go ahead, I, I'm, going to, I'm doing this all What? I'm doing it all the time. Except for when I'm trying to sleep. I used to, I used to be able to sleep through anything when I was young. Now, there's one bird outside my window. Look what it says. It says, it says, one will arise at the sound of the bird. It's true. I'm laying there. One bird. At early morning, chirp. I'm going. Can't go back to sleep. I hate that. And all the daughters of song will sing softly. Not because their voices are low, because we can't hear them. <laughs> I'm watching TV this day. Everybody else in the room is looking at each other going, is that loud? <laughs> Not to me. <laughs> See, it's all just kind of going away. It's all going down. The, the only thing that we can do is... is is be slowing down to going down. See, that's, that's the side of the hill we're on. 
But that's the nature of all material things. And the good news, the thing that we're going we're gonna to learn about next week, boy, don't miss next week. Because <laughs> if this depresses you, you need next week. <laughs> Is in 2 Corinthians 4.16 where it says this. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer man is decaying, present, yet our inner man is being renewed day by day. I'm getting better and better on the inside. <laughs> Let's talk. Let's talk about what is really costing us more than it's worth anymore in terms of material things. And let's look at the foolish way we hold on to those things that only cost us more. One more story. I remember when I was a, a, a kid, there was a Marlon Perkins show on TV. Remember that? Wild Kingdom. It's, a, it's for all the old folks. Wild Kingdom. And you've heard me tell this story before. I remember, I remember seeing how we trapped monkeys, how he trapped monkeys in Borneo. You'd go and they'd hollow out a gourd and, 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 and they'd tie the gourd by a string to a stake. And then they'd, they'd, they'd put a little hole in that gourd and they'd, they'd sprinkle a few seeds in that gourd. And these monkeys would come down out of the jungle and they'd reach in there and they'd grab those seeds. Oh, boy, those seeds look so good. And they got this little fist action going and they couldn't get their hand back out. And then the captors would come and these monkeys would scream and yell and run, but never let go of the seeds until they were trapped by what they held on to. You know, that's the difference between dumb old monkeys and people. Dumb old monkeys will see something they want and they'll grab it and they'll hold on to it till they're trapped. People will see something they want and they'll grab it and they'll... Uh. Maybe there isn't any difference. Pray with me. God, help us to be free from the desire for things that not only continue to cost us, that are of no eternal significance, but also to be free from the illusion that there is any satisfaction in those things. Help us to be free to follow you and free to love those you've given us and take care of those who are most important to you. Help us let go so that we can truly grasp what is important and eternal and fulfilling. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.